Welcome to The Underperformers, where we believe you deserve to find purpose and passion in your career. But for many, work is mundane and meaningless. We know how disheartening it is to feel uncertain and unfulfilled. From manual labor to desk jobs, we've navigated careers at multiple Fortune 500 companies. We invite you to join us, learn from our successes and shortcomings, and realize your worth and potential. You're not a failure. You're not alone. It's time to rewrite the narrative. What does it mean to be an underperformer? You decide. Welcome back, underperformers. Uh, Phil and Spencer here. My name is Spencer, but I said Phil's name first. That's fine. Okay. Let's get right into it this week. That's Phil. Whatever. Don't Uh, mind him. That's me. He's in a red shirt if you are not watching the video. And it's pretty bright. Looks pretty good. It's not a bad time of day to wear one. It's my Ron Swanson shirt. Ron Swanson. Well, you just need the mustache now. You know what that means, though, right? (laughs) He's got his Tiger Woods shirt on. (laughs) Oh, what a great way to start. Okay. Well, I was going to ask a question. I'm still going to ask it. And it's, have you ever felt like in your current circumstances, you don't feel like anything can change? unless fate tells you so that you have really no room to expand yourself, your situation, no rooms to grow, improve. Well, that's what we're talking about this week. That is another reason why 85% of the population still feel unfulfilled in their role is that they just don't think there's anywhere else to go. Phil, have you ever felt like you just can't do anything else ever in your life? Like I literally can't Nothing. even. You can't even walk. You can't even. Literally. Literally. <laughs> yeah, I've I've definitely been there. Um, feeling stuck. Um, like I have I I have to do this job. I'm meant to do this job, even though I don't like it. It's mm. not me. They're trying to make me something I'm not. Mm. Um. No, never felt that way. <laughs> okay, roll credits. <laughs> And insane. Um, now, it's, uh, man, it's such a miserable feeling. It's it's despairing. There's no hope, um, and something has to change, or you're just you're convinced that you're there forever. Mm-hmm. That freaking sucks. Why do you think we as individuals? when we get to that point, we feel like everything on paper looks okay right now. I have to be the one that has to completely change who I am. Where do you think that comes from? And why is that still so frequent in career and personal lives of many of our listeners? I think a lot of us listen to different voices. Mm. Um, there's a lot of people that influence our lives early on for me. I, I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. Um, people have told me like, yeah, I think, you know, mm. back then and even now they're like, yeah, I, th- I think you'd make a great teacher. Mm. Um, but at the time it's like, well, there's no money in it. <laughs> it's like, Oh, well, how, how am I going to support a family? Then mm. I guess I can't be a teacher. Mm. I guess I can't pursue that path. Mm. Um, but then there's also other voices inside of our own heads mm. that tell us um, we can't do certain things mm. because even though we recognize there's a need to change, 
we don't want to mm. because it's scary. There's so many unknowns. It's uncomfortable. And so all the excuses and all the reasons why we shouldn't do it flow pretty freely <laughs> into mm. our minds that keep us from, from continuing on. I think that's where a lot of people live right now is in that world of, is it me not wanting to change or should I actually change and how do I do that? I think that's a big struggle for most people who are being termed underperformers is from an external side, they're being attacked. They're being attacked Mm -hmm. because they are obviously struggling with not being fulfilled in their current role and they're struggling because they don't see any way out. They Mm -hmm. thought this is where I'm at. This is where I have to be, but I'm just not okay with that. And we're causing a lot of trauma in our corporate world. And I'm sure we've helped out with this in our leadership roles, unfortunately. Um, And apologies to those who we've been on our path have said and done things. We now probably would change, but it's a hard place to be in where you have to accept well, I'm not even going to say accept. You're you're trying to accept what is it? Is it me that just doesn't want to change, which we have had moments where I still have moments where I'm like, that's just me, especially with parenting and one thing. Um, but the other factor is like, but this is just not, that's just not a change that I can make or that I know that if I do make that, I might be in a worse off position because I'm a guy who loves spreadsheets and they want me to just continually knock doors to talk to customers. What, what do I do, Phil? What have you done in those positions as you've flopped around like pretty much every major department at this point, I think you've been a part of. I love how you put that flopped around. Flopped, like, oh. or flopped around. Flop, Here flop, I am. Did, that's, there's terminology to be dissected there for all you <laughs> listeners. That was uh, not an accidental word. I'm deep. <laughs> So what, (laughs) uh, sorry, just hit my headset on the microphone. So apologize for that delightful sound. Um, what have I done to flop around? Well, or to move? What what have you done when you've hit that internal struggle? Cause I know let's, let's take it back here. Mm. I want to give you, um, a little preference here. And this is going to be the preclude to Phil and I's initial story. Phil and I have known each other for four years. Um, We worked together at a big Fortune 100 company. Phil was the hiring manager and he hired me. So, and there are times where I helped hire Phil. So isn't that interesting? But going back to that time when Phil and I were first interacting and I was just kind of getting my feet more into big corporate, having been in mid-sized to small businesses, um, I noticed you, Phil, you struggled with, is it, is it me or mm-hmm. is it them or is it both of us or is there just something that is intangible here that it is what it is and I have to accept it and I need to make a change going back to that. What was going through your mind during those days? Oh man. So I had stepped into that role. I had worked my way up with that company started in their distribution um, receiving and then in their um, shipping department, got my degree, got in, started learning spreadsheets, pricing, things like that, um, and then became a manager. And 
along the way, the question always came up because I was, I was, I was driven by wanting to make things better for my team. Mm. That was my primary motivation. Um, money was also one, mm. an external factor definitely helped, um, better my position, but at the root of it, I, we went a year without a manager. That's right. And, um, you know, there was, we almost hired one, but then there were some internal changes and then they started the search all over again. And I just saw my team struggling and I'm like, I had a vision and I had a plan and that, that's what I wanted to do was help them get us out of, in, of that into a better place. And so as I'd go to these meetings and I recognized the changes we needed to make and I would fight for that and I would cross, I would get to that red tape mm. and it's like, well, okay, do, do I need to be more assertive? Do I... Like, is this just the way things are mm. with this company? Like, these are this company's rules and structure? Or is this, because it was my first official leadership role, mm. is this just how big business is? Mm. And it just navigating those rules and then trying to figure out who I am and then being told, like, yes, you need to be more assertive. You need to fight. And it's like, okay, I have that, but... I didn't, I didn't have the tools mm. to, to be that person. Um, maybe the person that was needed for that role. Mm. And so a lot of feelings came in of, man, something's wrong with me mm. because I can't, I can't do what they're asking me to do. Mm. Um, or I don't know how, mm. um, it wasn't that I wasn't willing. It was just, man, how do I do this? And, um, I'd beat myself up a lot. Mm. Um, that's been one of my struggles and still struggle with, I've gotten to a much better place today. I would say recognizing when that's happening, mm. when I'm telling myself lies, that's, that's keeping me from growing and moving on to the, the next thing. I think that is like the epitome of <clears throat> what we're trying to do here with growth because, you were you were put in a position, and then were said figured out, um, <laughs> fi- just figured just, it just figured out, which is fine. I I I'm not trying to advocate for everything should be spelled out for you all the time. Um, I believe that you learn a lot by making autonomous decisions. That's really how you gain really good experience and know what works and what doesn't work. But it's like tell somebody to mow the lawn. And then walking away and they can't even see into the garage of what's available to mow the lawn that they expect you to figure out how to get into the house, um, figure out what you need, which, okay, you know that there's a lawnmower, but there's like a weed whacker and there's a bunch of other tools, um, that you got to figure out. And then you got to figure out how to turn those on. And then you got to figure out how to use them properly on the lawn, how they want it done. Because I like my line straight across the lawn, but some people like zigzag. Some people like diagonal. It's basically mow the lawn sitting on a driveway of a stranger's uh, house and then them being gone and then them getting upset at you when you're frequently going back. So where's the lawnmower? <laughs> and, and they're just like, are you stupid? It's over there. 
Um, so I am advocating for providing tools, which I'll be honest, I know a lot, a lot of good leaders out there do that. I, I want to pinpoint one story of Phil here, though, that kind of shows you that when Phil finally crossed the red tape, what happened? Phil thought I should be more assertive. I need to actually make a decision without having to go through this micromanage process. And this was specifically around hiring an individual we both know. And Phil was like, I'm the hiring manager. I've done the process according to kind of how I was told. I, I used the lawnmower. I mowed the fucking lawn. Okay. I mowed the lawn and I'm going to be done and hire this person. And so you go and you say, I mowed your lawn. What did they say to you, Phil? <laughs> I can't even say what I can't even like. say. It. They said, why would you do that without consulting me first? Um, yeah, that's something I struggled with was decisiveness, assertiveness. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to find that within myself. And I went for it. And I was told, you shouldn't have done that. Mm. And that was a very confusing time for me. Mm. Um, a lot of people before I took that job, people who interviewed me expressed concern that, you know, I wasn't ready for it. Mm. Maybe it was that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, those type of traits and characteristics needed um, because they knew who I'd be reporting to and what they expected. But I was so determined to, to overcome and prove them wrong and help my team mm. that I went for it. And I, I got the job, but yeah. It's just put me in a very bad spot where I began to ask myself, what's wrong with me? And that's a dangerous question. Well, it's a dangerous question because where else do you go? Now, there's a lot of other things we, we won't unpack here about streamlining communication, relationships between bosses and, and their um, employees, uh, which we can break down. But I think the, the biggest or one of the biggest solutions that I've noticed with this is just pretty constant communication. So something that Phil highlighted in our last episode about, we we, were talking a lot specifically to managers, but about, you know, talking to your employees frequently to just see where they're at. I think a big issue here in terms of growth was you, you got to this position, which was wonderful, but then the streamlined communication kind of ended. And unfortunately, I think that all too happen happens all too often in corporate America where you get a job based off of whatever your qualifications may be. And a lot of times you're kind of just left to hang out on the driveway, um, being told frequently to mow the lawn. And you're, you're, most of your time is actually just you're in the garage trying to figure out what's what as opposed to just cutting the lawn and then figuring out how to make the lawn better. We're, we're stuck in the weeds of the garage. Anyways... <laughs> That's kind of where I'm going with this analogy. And, and you're, you're, you're stuck so long in the garage that you're basically, you're like, but we need to focus on the lawn. Like we need to fix the lawn and prove that. And that will lead to, you know, better results that we're looking for. But it just seems like the ability for us to be okay with really honest communication about what's in the garage and what you're thinking about is still not streamlined. When you come to a boss and you're an operations manager and you say, I really like branding. I really like marketing. That's what I do in my spare time. That's my passion is understanding story brand and how to help people on their hero's journey. Um, I'm struggling with this. 
and I, and most bosses will either just disregard it or they will say, that's great, Phil. But right now I just need you to do this. I just used your name in that scenario, but I wanted to make it personal that they'll say, yeah, that's great, but I need you to do this. When as a manager, that is a very critical moment for someone to be that honest, for someone to be vulnerable and be like, I'm struggling with this. And most of the time we just shut them off. Yeah, because when you do gain that courage Mm. and you are vulnerable and you start sharing how you feel, where you want to go, and you're not, your feelings are either disregarded or, you know, you're told how bad you screwed up or why would you think that or you just need to do this. What's the likelihood of you opening up to that person ever again? Mm. And so in my story, I did have like a weekly communication with my boss. Um, But there were many moments where it was like, why would you do that? You messed up, you know, rather than the guiding when we would have those weekly meetings, I kept it very surface level, very transactional. This is what, this is what I'm working on. It's what the team's working on. Um, and it, it was bad because mm. that for me, not being able to communicate that, even though the, you could say the communication was there, the words were there, but seeking the impact, seeking guidance, um, you know, wasn't, that was missing for sure. And so all the feelings that I had just festered and built up until one day I said, this is what I'm being asked to do. I feel like I'm misunderstood. This is what I want. This is the direction we need to go. And I wrote, um, like a four or five page manifesto because I, Mm, I I didn't think I could get it out in like verbally Mm. because the conversations I, um, you know, I'm discovering this about myself now recently. Um, my, my voice, I'm not the loudest voice in the room. Like if you listen, you're listening to this podcast, Spencer's voice, just his tone and everything is much more deeper. Hey, And so not just the, the tone of the voice, but, um, the frequency and the opportunity to speak for me, and that maybe that goes back to assertiveness, but I tend to let others talk first and let others talk over me. Mm. Um, and so when, when I, you're not given the opportunity to talk, when you have a lot to say, it builds and that's, that's, you start getting negative. You start having those thoughts, bad thoughts about yourself. Like, where am I going? What does this even mean? Um, you, you need to be able to talk to a leader and not be judged or fearful if you're even going to have a job again. Mm. And unfortunately to you, Phil, you years later, Phil did speak a little bit more and that fear unfortunately came true. I'm not going to tell your story for you, but Basically, everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong, unfortunately. Now, one thing that's hard about this story is Phil's not the full ownership of this relationship, right? Um, Obviously, all we can do is try to improve our ability to communicate, which is really kind of my call to action is to always find ways to improve. But it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to be someone who can be passive. It's okay for someone to, you know, who more naturally comes over the top or or is the loudest voice. But 
you need to empathize with the other side, but you also need to find a way to come to an agreement. Because if you do not communicate, something will build up on one side. And so always trying to streamline that communication of, hey, what's going on? Like, is everything okay? Are you struggling? Um, I think, unfortunately, is not asked enough in corporate America for a lot of reasons. One, I think a lot of managers are struggling too, um, is is one Mm. big aspect. Um, Two, I think a lot of managers and employees are struggling with empathy, which is kind of one of our key characteristics when we made this was to strive for more empathy. And, And I think the third thing is I think a lot of people are still realizing what is built up in them. And when you've been in the same place for so long and you're, you, you feel back to the word numb, I think that's when you really need to realize like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? I don't really, I'm, I'm struggling to feel excited, to be happy. Like work is just, ugh, you know, it's just a drag and I'm ready to go home. Um, are you feeling burned out? Are you struggling with that? Maybe you need to sit down and figure out, oh, like, I'm stuck. I'm not really growing anymore. I'm and I'm struggling to feel emotion. What's going on? A lot of things to unpack here, and there's really no simple answer um, because it it involves a lot of different people. That's the one thing about opportunities to grow is you do own a lot of things in your life. You own your ability to communicate, but when it comes to growth, when you're working with other people, it's a very complex, complicated conundrum of figuring out how to get past that wall of, of feeling like you're not growing when other people are involved. This is where entrepreneurs will come in and say, start your own company, do your own thing, go crazy. But unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, fortunately, you don't have to do that. I'm going to change my tone on that because you don't have to do it, but then understand kind of how grainy it gets when you have others involved. So my invitation is to just improve communication to find a way to, how do you do that? Sit down, learn, learn better ways to communicate, learn your personality type. Who are you? How do you communicate? How do you like to be communicated with? And then start thinking of ways to apply that in your career. Absolutely. That's all I have to say. That's all he has to say. Absolutely. (laughs) There's a lot of tools out there. We recommend you go find some, uh, we, you know, if you want to reach out to us, we have a lot of tools that we use. And I think as the show goes on, we'll communicate more about what we've seen works well, um, different programs, but right now we're going to keep you on the edge of your seat as to what it is. And just tune in next time as we continue to help you overcome your feeling of being unfulfilled as an underperformer and realize that you have value. So until next time, go ahead, leave a like, subscribe, comment, tell us what you want. See you later. Everybody. Peace.